Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father God, thank you that we can address you as Father. Thank you, Lord, that you delight to teach us, instruct us, uh, to inspire us and enable us. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The reading we had uh, comes from the Scriptures, comes from the Word of God. And it's important to remember, it is also, what we had read was also a communication from one flesh and blood human being to another. That's not a contradiction. The wonder of Scripture is that it is both. It is inspired, it's the Word of God. It is also, in this case, uh, a communication between human beings of flesh and blood not so different from ourselves. And in that passage, the Apostle Paul was writing to his young apprentice, uh, Timothy, and instructing him. And I don't know about you, but over the years, from time to time, I've heard people talk about Timothy and describe him as being basically a bit of a wimp. That uh, Timothy was of nervous disposition, that he wasn't bold and courageous like his, uh, his spiritual father, Paul. And as I've looked at this passage and at the New Testament again, I think actually he's been done a disservice. Uh, Paul had no hesitation in sending Timothy into all sorts of dangerous situations and had done in the past, given him huge responsibilities. But in this particular message, he is definitely addressing fear. The whole of that letter to Timothy is about being brave, being courageous, not backing down, not being ashamed, in season, out of season, the whole thing is charged with a situation of fear. The thing is, Timothy had something to be afraid of. There he is, he's in Ephesus, he's been sent to sort out uh, an extremely lively church in a great seething metropolis, full of trouble. Um, Paul himself had said, the last time he met the Ephesian elders, savage wolves will come amongst you, and even some of you will go astray and take others with you. What sort of a motivational address was that to his house group leaders? Anyway, and uh, in Ephesus there was opposition from the Jewish side, there was fierce opposition from the pagan side, and actually all of that was in the background in his first letter to Timothy, and there wasn't even a hint about being brave and being courageous, because there was something else. And this second letter is written when Paul is not only in prison again, but something has changed. And in all probability, um, it's the beginning of Nero's persecution. Paul has been picked up, and he really does expect to die this time. That's, That's a little piece of history. Let's put some human flesh on it. Up to that point, you read through Acts, again and again, the Roman authorities either helped Paul out or got him out of a scrape. His Roman citizenship worked for him. And then suddenly, something changes. And the government is against them. That all-powerful government that at times has rescued them and which maintained a certain level of order and gave the Christians a certain level of protection despite all the opposition there was, was suddenly gone. And everybody who was set against them, their heads were up things were going to change. And there was Timothy, far away, in this big city, massive responsibilities, 
all kinds of people sharpening their knives, ready for what was going to happen next. Timothy had something to be afraid of. Paul was not looking him in the eye, he was miles away. He was not saying, I can see you're worried, there's nothing to worry about, mate, it's going to be all right. No, he was far away. But he knew from the circumstances and from his knowledge of the person, Timothy must be feeling fear. I find myself addressing, we're going to talk about fear, just to be quite clear about this, we're not talking about fear of spiders, or all the other little phobias that we have, with which we must all be very sympathetic and all the rest of it, but what we're looking at here is fear in connection with the gospel. Fear to be known as a Christian. Fear to speak about Christ. Fear to be identified with the church. And there's a whole range of fears we may experience, and many of us do experience, in relation to being Christians amongst people who are not, and sometimes amongst people who are. I'm addressing this subject in many different ways, in different places, uh, because I work um, with Muslims and with Christians who are amongst Muslims. Islam inspires fear in Christians. It's an observable fact. When they are in the majority in places like Chad, where I work, and many other countries, but also when they're in in the minority here in the UK. The level of fear that rises in the hearts of ordinary Christians, even though there isn't a mob coming down your street to get you, nevertheless, there is a fear. Some of that fear is based on reason, some of it is not. But either way, there is fear. And before we go on, I'd like you to just do your own mental check what fears you may be carrying. Maybe it's nothing to do with Islam, but perhaps fear of the politically correct brigade, fear of speaking in front of certain family members, fear of being identified uh, amongst work colleagues. There are fears that are out there. Paul um, presents a remedy. We're going to look at it in two parts. Paul speaks to Timothy as a person in need who is feeling fear. And it comes in two parts. First of all, he reminds him of the gift that he has received. The gift of the Spirit imparted by the laying on of hands. Um, And he says, in this well-known line, um, the Spirit he has given us is not a spirit of timidity, which is a bit convoluted. So let's turn it round. God has given us his Spirit. His Spirit does not generate fear in us. It does not lead us into fear. That The word that's translated timidity or fear in some translations could also be translated cowardice. The Spirit of God does not produce cowardice in us. Well, that's fair enough. I think it's worth drawing out at this point um, those of us who are English, I know we're not all English, Part of our cultural makeup is that we make caution of virtue. Nobody says timidity is a good thing, but caution, that's virtuous. Keeping your head down is sensible. Keeping out of the line of fire is the respectable thing to do. We don't say, I'm afraid. We say, I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive about this. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm a little bit concerned that all of these things have a certain measure of virtue. 
Um, and actually, part of our cultural makeup as English people is sanctifying timidity. There are other cultures, other European cultures, where jumping in with both feet is the norm. And some of you are already thinking, well, I don't see what's so good about that, because that's our cultural prejudice coming through. And jumping in with both feet can be a good thing in some circumstances, and other times it is not the thing to do. Same thing with our tendency to be cautious. There are times when that is wise, and there are times when it's a cop-out, when it's an excuse. And the point is the gospel challenges both. And as we identify areas that need to change, so God wants to work in us and change us to be more like Jesus in all these matters. So God has given us the spirit who does not bring uh, fearfulness in us. Now, what's the opposite of that going to be? You would expect it to be not timidity, but boldness, courage, confidence. None of those three words appear. Why not? Because there are many kinds of boldness. There is boldness that comes from arrogance. There is boldness that comes from crass stupidity. There is boldness from coming from having too much to drink. There are many kinds of boldness. And they're not all the same. It's not just a matter of being bold. So what does he say? The spirit that God has given us gives us power. Power is the ability to do and very often in connection with the Spirit, ability to speak. It doesn't say anything about feelings, but there is power, a resource. Second, love. And that is really counterintuitive for most people. Not timidity, but love. Because it is fundamental to uh, life in the Spirit that everything is rooted in love. There is a boldness that is based in love. Love for God... Love for our neighbour, love for the person that wants to do us harm. Love for the person who is going to bring about those consequences we fear. And that's a challenge, that's counterintuitive. But that is one of the things that the Spirit of God does. It's not any old kind of boldness. It is a boldness that is rooted in, shaped by, directed by, Love, Christian love, the love demonstrated in Christ, the love that he inspires in us. That agape love, which defies reason, but is real, substantial, is spiritual. Third ingredient, uh, the NIV puts it as um, self-discipline. The King James had a sound mind. It's level-headedness. It's clear-headedness. It's very much about the head, about how you think. So there you are, you're in a situation where something makes you afraid in relation to speaking for God, acting for God, being known, opening your mouth, whatever. The Spirit gives you power. The Spirit leads you in love. And what you really need is a clear head. If you don't have a clear head, you have panic. And the Spirit gives us, what seeks to give us, the clarity to think, to discern, to act appropriately. That's a pretty good package. That's a good kind of boldness. That's not reckless. That's not rooted in human strength. It's rooted in the spirit and motivated by love. Now there's something that will be good to unpack at this point. Um, 
Let me start by talk about feeling fear and doing fear. You may be aware that in Hebrews 11, it says that Moses, not fearing Pharaoh, left Egypt. Moses didn't fear Pharaoh, he left Egypt and he went off to Midian. You go back to the original in Exodus chapter 2, it says Moses heard that what he had done had been found out and he was afraid and he fled from Pharaoh. Both passages refer to fear. One says he didn't, he wasn't afraid, the other one said he, he was. One of the, the, the benefits I found in uh, doing Bible translation and digging into these things is beginning to find some of the subtleties of how these different words are used and how very often our default way of reading something is different to the way the writer intended it. Moses felt fear. Absolutely, no doubt about it. What's, what are the writers of the Hebrews talking about? What he's saying is this. Moses did not obey Pharaoh's summons. He did not uh, submit to Pharaoh's request, you come here and face the consequences. He rejected the authority of Pharaoh. He did not fear him. Fear as expressed in action rather than in terms of feeling. And um, Jesus said... Do not fear those who kill the body, but fear him who can destroy body and soul soul in hell. If somebody is coming at you with weapons, it is a biological certainty that you will feel fear. And Jesus says, in that place, do not submit to that person, do not be what they want you to be, but fear God. And it's a different kind of fear. It's a doing fear. I am going to do what God wants, even though... The consequences frighten me. Jesus talked about loving our enemies. And there's this loving and uh, this feeling and doing is well exemplified there. Love your enemies, the people who hate you, the people who do you harm. Well, how can you feel affection for people that are being nasty to you? He's not talking about feeling affection. You go, you look in, in, in Matthew chapter 5 uh, and in other passages. He spells out what it means. You pray for them. You bless them. You do them good. People who rip you off, you continue to lend to them. And he talked about practical things you do. He was not addressing primarily how we feel. And we, reading these words of love and fear, we read them primarily as about feelings. And often the scriptures are looking primarily at the actions that follow, proceeding from a decision rather than the feelings themselves. So there we have it. Paul speaks to Timothy, knowing that Timothy has experienced fear. And he said, you have received the gift of the Spirit for this occasion. There's a second part, which actually comes first chronologically. Fan into flame that gift that is there. Paul was not the least bit worried about his faith. In that same passage, he commends Timothy's faith. He is in no doubt that the Spirit is present in Timothy, and he's equally sure that Timothy is feeling fear. Paul himself was almost certainly feeling fear. And elsewhere, you dig around in his epistles, you find times where he talks about the fear that he experienced. You get the implications of this. It is simply not the case that just because you have the Spirit, you will not know fear. And sometimes I think we are done a disservice by people who tell their heroic stories, and it seems they never had a twinge of fear, of, you know, the heartbeat and all the rest of it. You just hear the story of how well it went when somebody did the right thing. 
We don't tend to tell the stories when it doesn't go well. But actually, the presence of the feeling of fear and then acting courageously is the norm. Um, and there's this as well. There was Timothy in full-time ministry, an entrusted servant of God, and yet Paul could say, you need to fan into flame that which is there in you. In other words, there's nothing abnormal about not running red hot. Paul did not assume, he hasn't, he hasn't got a phone, he can't check instantaneously what mood Timothy is in. But he thinks it's perfectly appropriate to say, you're going to have to fan into flame that which is there. It's, it's nothing unusual about running below full temperature. And that should be a word of reassurance for a lot of us, because we, we hear stories, we see situations, and we think, well, I could never be like that. And we just... We assume that where we are is where we will always be. There's, there is the promise, yes, you can fan into flame. You can gain access to, you can gain benefit from that which God has given you to meet the situation. It's that way around. Fan into flame, of course, is a word picture. There was no fan, there was no flame. And the word picture we might use today could well be different. That you have what you need, you need to access it. You need to charge it. You need to focus on it. You need to put the focus on that rather than the other. Some of the things we've been singing have been spelling that out. Uh, To get our eyes on the Lord, on what he's promised, on what he can do. Whatever that area of fear we have in relation to being Christians, known as Christians, speaking out the word, whatever, there is something we can call up to address and overcome our fear. It's not that the feelings will necessarily go away but that we do what is right and are not held back by the fear. That sound mind enables us to make the right choice. Uh, I have a friend who I've sort of mentored over the years who's in London, and he has a delivery job, and uh, one of the areas I've often encouraged him in is in talking to the different Muslims that he meets on his rounds. And he's had some very good one-to-ones. And um, just recently... I heard about an MBU going on. An MBU is a meeting for better understanding. And it's one package that Christians in this country are using uh, for witnessing to Muslims. And it involves a group of Christians preparing themselves and then meeting with a group of Muslims, sometimes in a neutral place, often in a mosque. And there was one going on just down the road from where my friend lived. And I I sent him the email about it. And... um, he wrote to me and said, uh, thank you for the email. I went along to the training, and I, to be honest, I was really apprehensive. I'd never stepped inside a mosque. I didn't know what would wait for it. We were going to the mosque, and the Ahmadiyya Mosque in Morden, South London, is the headquarters of the Ahmadiyya movement. It is colossal. It's a huge place. And he said, I was really nervous about going, but I felt it was right to go. So I plucked up my courage, to use standard English, and I went. And he said, you know, the program was two hours, I was there for five. It was wonderful. He said, I came home so full of the joy of the Spirit. I'm glad I'm retiring soon because I want to do this more. But he could so easily have just gone with the fear that says, well, you don't know what's going to go on. And that place is, in- you have to look at the place to be intimidated. And he's, he's not a, you know, a speaker or an evangelist in a big public sort of way. And he w- went with the script. And it was such a blessing to him. But it was a practical application of, actually, I'm afraid of this situation. I believe it's right to go. I will call on the resources God's given me, step in, and what a blessing he received. I want to close 
with a couple of quotes from St. Patrick, as we mentioned a couple of times already, a man who lived with danger all his life, incredible character. His uh, life story is well worth reading. He, He said this, I must take care not to hide the gift of God, which he has generously given us in the land of my captivity. It was then that I looked for him with all my strength, and there I found him, and he protected me from all evils. This is what I believe, on account of his spirit living and working in me to this very day. He also said, According, therefore, to the measure of one's faith in the Trinity, one should proceed without holding back from danger to make known the gift of God. Amen.